As always, it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I would very much appreciate it and it will help others like you to optimally discover this podcast wherever you listen to this and your other favorite podcast. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I would love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your respective organizational and learning environments. Please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Welcome again to another edition of Second Chance Coaching. As always, it is my pleasure to join you on another week of your reentry journey from whichever corner of the world you're listening from. We always remain humbled and excited that you've decided to spend a part of your week with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. I am really excited this week. I am so excited to share this news with you, our Second Chance family. Many of you may have remembered back in June of 2021, specifically June 1st, 2021, if you're checking in the archives, we discussed what was called clean slate legislation, which you could check out in these in our past episodes, as I indicated. At that time, we discussed clean slate as it is a law in a couple of states across the United States, and it had been proposed to go up for passage in New York State, where I'm originally from. It did not get to pass in 2021, nor did it pass in 2022. But I'm absolutely thrilled to share that clean slate legislation has now passed the New York State Assembly and New York State Senate, is now awaiting the signature of Governor Hochul to become the law of the land. The law, if passed, would would just literally become life-changing for hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers who currently experience discrimination for work and housing, among other things, every single day. The signing of this law would affect upwards of 2 million plus New Yorkers who have a criminal record. In the case of misdemeanor charges, as well as, and that would include as well as driving while ability impaired, the waiting period for automatic sealing would be about three years after incarceration. In the case of felonies, it would be eight years after incarceration, and if the individual is still on probation or parole at the expiration of that waiting period, the ceiling would take place at the end of the probation or parole period. The Clean Slate Act would not apply to most Class A felonies, such as murder, first-degree kidnapping, arson, but many drug-related Class A felonies could still be eligible for ceiling. As we had discussed in previous episodes, I was able to obtain my record to be, I was able to obtain the ceiling of my record under CP Law 160.59, which came into effect in New York on October 7th, 2017. That law allowed eligible individuals such as myself, convicted of an eligible offense, to request the sealing of their record if they had not been convicted of another crime 
at all for a period of 10 years from the day in which one was sentenced or released from jail or prison, whichever date was later. Under 160.59, one would have to petition the district attorney in the jurisdiction in which they were convicted, and a judge had to review one's petition. Under this, under this procedure, it still left the, subjective, the subjectivity, the subjective nature of one being declined or being denied and not having their record sealed. When I put in my petition in February 2021, it took, it took till about September of 2021 to have my record sealed. Even after I officially got the order sealing my record, I really had to pay attention because I was in contract to close for, for my condo. And, and um, when, they, when we did the background check, I had to have my inquiry corrected because my record still came up with a conviction when I was going through that, that purchase process. And I had to present that paperwork in order for them to correct it, almost like a credit report. So I had to present the paperwork and then it was corrected, did the background check, and then it came up clean as it was supposed to based on the order. Now, when I spoke to some activists from the Clean Slate Coalition of New York, you know, I heard numerous stories of individuals who did not disclose their, their convictions on their applications for employment or housing. And I get it. I've, I've, I've been there. You know, they weren't trying to be deceptive, but they were desperate to get to the next stage of their lives and felt they knew, they just felt they, they could feel the discrimination was on its way. And in some cases, they told me they would, they would just take the chance of thinking their applications would just be lost in the sauce. They figured that, it, that if they put something in there, it would just get lost. They wouldn't have to worry about it. But unfortunately, they always got found out, and they just really kept starting over and over again. I shared with them the struggles I had when I was looking for housing, and even the time I was rejected from Johnson & Wales University for an adjunct position. You know, my point in sharing with them was that rejection, unfortunately, is just really part of the journey. And not everyone will reject you, even though it's difficult to go through that uncertainty. I told them not everyone will reject you. And you really just need one opportunity, one chance. And the person who takes a chance on you will never regret it. Now, going back, over 2 million plus of my fellow New Yorkers. Yes, I still say fellow New Yorkers, because even though I happily live here in Florida, I'm always a New Yorker. You're never a former New Yorker. That's where I was born and raised. Not just born. I was born and raised in New York. So I represent New York. And I celebrate that victory. I celebrate their victory because it's a cause of it's a cause for celebration. At this point, I'm just ready for the governor to sign her name to the paper and reenfranchise all of these New Yorkers who have felt unfairly marginalized for far too long. Fairness. Okay. We talked about fairness. Now, that is a concept that goes back to when all of us were children. What's fair? What is fair? When we were children, you know, growing up with siblings, and even when we started school in kindergarten, we overemphasized fairness. But always by always asking what is fair or declaring that's not fair, whether we were talking about dessert, TV time, and this is before we had multiple media devices to watch programming, or even I remember as a child in kindergarten when the weather was nice, there was a bunch of these uh, little red wagons that were there available for us, for us kids to ride and play in, and we'd always talk about fairness, about who had access to get to a wagon to play with at lunchtime. Now, this, this, this brings us 
to our final chapter review of the season. We're doing one last chapter review. And this comes from the 2007 book, Reposition Yourself by Reverend T.D. Jakes. In this book, Reverend Jakes talks about repositioning ourselves for success and prosperity by changing what we have been doing to a new way of optimizing our life's journey. During your reading of this book, you'll one will notice that Reverend Jakes, being a minister himself, that there were numerous biblical references as well as inspirational stories from the Bible, which tie into the concepts in which he shares throughout the book. The chapter in which I'm concentrating on in Reposition Yourself is chapter four, which is titled Against the Odds, Overcoming the Fact that Life Isn't Fair. The title itself is so profound because whether you're talking about the basic foundation of fairness from your childhood to thinking about the circumstances as to why you were incarcerated to when you are coming home to rebuild your life, you are in a position to accept, realize, and actually overcome the fact that life not being fair is more than the rule than the exception. Reverend Jakes talks about this as soon as the chapter opens on page 57. In the first three sentences, and he says, and I quote, you don't have to be an odds maker in Las Vegas to know that, to know how difficult it could be to sustain hope in the face of life's many adversities. No one is immune to the virulent attacks of illness, divorce, unemployment, or loneliness. I'm not above it. You're not above it. And the many people you view as successful, whether talking from your television screen or walking down the aisle at your church, are not above it. When we go through unfairness, we desire for it to be rectified. Now, I'm not saying to go out and get revenge. That is a waste. That's a complete waste of time. I'm talking about you want your grievances heard and the scales brought back into balance. And even if that can't be done, when we vent to people about what is on our minds, we want others to share our outrage and the unfairness we have described. While others may understand logically what we feel, they may not feel the same level of outrage we have, as Reverend Jake said on page 60. And once again, I quote, in reality, you cannot understand a pain that you've never felt. When I, you know, when I first came home from incarceration, there was a lot of that personal pain I felt and I carried. When the opportunity came for me to share it, I tried to express it in a way in which others could really be on that journey with me. And they could, and, and really, they just couldn't be. They could feel sympathy for me. They could extend to help me. But the true pain and empathy I was looking for I was just not going to find it. And if I must be honest, that burn, that pain is for me to feel because the resolution, the solution, the ability to overcome is something I must learn how to do. Now, my loved ones, you know, your loved ones will be there to help you along your journey. But to expect them to feel exactly what you are feeling, one cannot reasonably expect that because this is your journey, just like that was my journey. In recent years, education, specifically higher education, has really gotten a bad rap, primarily because of the finances of higher education, debates on who speaks at colleges, and people are not of like ideologies, and even dynamics in which students protest because they don't agree with the professor's grading policies. Reverend, Reverend Jakes points out how the attaining of an education is really a key to reposition yourself. And I also speak of education as a key component to one's reentry journey. Education is a tool that enables you to, quote unquote, persevere to prevail, as it's written in Reposition Yourself. As sometimes the best thing one can do is to really stick it out and keep moving forward, 
keep moving forward. And just when you think that hopelessness is perpetual, that, that, that nothing is going to change, just like that, just like that, hope emerges, your break emerges, the next level emerges. That could be in the form of a job you were seeking, or in a lot of cases, you get better than the job you were seeking. It could be in the case, it could be in the form of the housing you're seeking, or really just another opportunity that you just didn't see coming your way. You know, but it came your way because you were doing all the work to be prepared. You were being prepared, and that preparation came from you persevering. And sometimes you persevering could just be getting up every day and keep doing the same thing over and over again. Keep working, keep showing up, just showing up over and over again. Now that's happened to me regarding employment, regarding housing, and different opportunities that I've been blessed to come my way. And once again, going back to reposition yourself, Reverend Jakes, Reverend Jakes addresses this at the top of page 68, when he says, and once again, I quote, what is your suffering moving you towards? What is the basis for the passion that fuels your dream? Do you dare to hope that God has the power to transform even the most horrendous events in your life into catalysts for unimaginable success? You know, when I first came home on work release, one of the conditions that I had to meet was I had to go to like a rehabilitation talk group every week, like an Alcoholics or Narcotics Anonymous. Now, I did not nor have I ever had an alcohol or narcotic problem. And I honestly just felt insulted that I was mandated to go to such an activity. You know, I felt like the work release counselor was just checking off a box and not really looking at what I should what I should be doing to optimize reentry. They just felt like, hey, just check off the box. That's where he needs to go. But at the end of the day, when you're in those positions, I didn't have a choice. So I figured to make the best of it. And I had the opportunity to listen to numerous folks who had come home, you know, in these groups, I had an opportunity to listen to numerous folks who had come home from prison to discuss so many dynamics at play in terms of their journey, their recovery, and their hopes for the future. Even though this was not an environment for me in seeking substance abuse recovery, it was the place for me to hear new voices, new affirmations, and new reentry stories. Listening to their journeys really gave me a new light and a new focus on my own reentry journey. Like what Reverend Jakes indicated on page 71, and I quote, he who gets out of prison only to return to his own environment is setting himself up for incarceration. You must escape the environment and begin anew. Many men with good intentions want to come back and change the neighborhood in which they grew up. But be careful, you cannot change what you are not aware of. I needed that new environment, not so much because my old environment was so terrible, but I had to learn new mental approaches to handle the same problems that all of us on this reentry journey face. And even some of the problems that you're facing in your regular everyday life. We have those happen to us every day. I said this in the past numerous times, and I'll say that in the future again. My mother, my sister, even my children and niece, as young as they were at the time, were the fuel to my successful reentry. Through their words of love, their living examples and just being there made living plentiful in every sense. Their example personified this sentence that Reverend Jake stated on page 75. And once again, I quote, if you refuse to be handcuffed by the limitations that your environment, upbringing, or peers set for you, then you will discover a limitless source of self-confidence and resilience. 
This book and chapter are certainly a movement towards motivating you to get from one step to the next. It really is a great read, and it is a book that I highly recommend. I think it would be appropriate to close this week's podcast with the paragraph that Reverend Jakes closed out the chapter with, and he said it once again for the last time I quote, No matter how unfair life seems or how often you may have failed in the past, you can still change and improve your life, and not, and not only change, but grow into the best, most authentic version of yourself that you could be. My friend, it's time to stop feeling that the odds are stacked against you, and time is, and time is stacking the odds in your favor. Stacking the odds in your favor. I was just having a conversation with my sister this week when we were just talking about even little things, normal things that we think about, like, you know, how much it costs to buy groceries and buy things every day. And think about the good stock that we came from as far as the examples that were set forth to us by our mother and father. And when we were talking about our parents, I made sure that I wanted to tell her that today marks the 50th wedding anniversary of our mother and father. Today, on the day that this podcast drops on Friday, June 16th, 2023, on Friday, June 16th, 1973, was the day that our mother and father got married, Jean-Claude Lewis and Virgin Michel, who became Virgin Michel Lewis. And there's our parents who set, who, set forth for, who set forth the foundation for us, a legacy of love, laughter, being Haiti, Haiti proud, and passing that on to us and then passing it on to their grandchildren. And now passing that on to their great-grandchildren. That's just wonderful. Think about that. So with that said, mom and dad, you know I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you up there in heaven. Happy 50th wedding anniversary. We love you. We miss you. We love you. We miss you. We love you. We miss you. Thank you, everyone, as always for sharing your time with me. It is always welcome and appreciated. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Next week is our season four finale, so please make sure you join us for our season four finale. So we'll definitely have topics, a topic again in which to hopefully inspire you, help you along your reentry journey, help you along your life, and really, you know, ride that wave, ride that legacy of love, ride that legacy of being together, optimizing yourself and repositioning yourself. So I look forward to joining you again next week. Thank you again for joining us here at Second Chance Coaching. In addition to coaching services for individuals and businesses, I'm also available for speaking engagements and workshops on criminal justice reentry, human resources, as well as organizational culture and leadership. Feel free to email me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com, as well as connect with me on Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, every day you are given this opportunity for your second chance, and I know you'll make the best of it. I love you all, and I look forward to connecting with you next time here at Second Chance Coaching.